Hi, I'm Scott Patton. I just want to thank you for watching our online service today. My goal is to give you an expeditionary journey through God's Word, through expository preaching. And when you get one of our sermons here, we're going to preach uh, based on the Holy Spirit of God's inspired words, the good, the bad, the ugly. Some things you might like and the Holy Spirit is going to inspire you and some things he's probably going to convict you on. Nonetheless, we're honored that you watch us today. God bless you and go bold. You never know when God's going to bless you and uh, our blessed church. We had a I had a gentleman uh, that was friends of my family probably for years. He's up in his probably mid-80s, and he's, he's, he's wheelchair-bound. I called him about a year and a half ago and just prayed with him, talked to him, and, and hadn't talked to him, but I hadn't talked to him since before COVID, since then his wife passed away and some other things. But he'd been watching our online services for about the last year and a half and during COVID. And... Um, uh, Miss Gail got a check in the mail. Uh, we got, a, we got a, a, a card, didn't ask for it or anything, with a check for $1,000. And this gentleman had just sent our church. He said, and he just put a nice note. He, uh, his name was Bill Rousey, and he uh, said, just use it to whatever the church needs. And Lord and behold, uh, on, on Tuesday, our brakes went out in our van. And the bill is $987. <laughs> so he had $13 to spare. Isn't that awesome? Let's just praise the Lord. Let's just praise the Lord. I mean, you can't make that up. You know what I mean? It's just such a blessing. And God is, is, is just, his blessings are just awesome. Now today, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to let you know, we're, we're, we get down to our last two sermons in Romans 8. And uh, I'll tell you guys, it's been a blessing. But one of the things I, I, I look at here in Romans 8, and just so you know, you guys know I've, I've studied asymmetric warfare for probably 35 years in some capacity. And an asymmetric warfare that you see going on in the world today with, their, with the militaries and, and all the things, the most common strategy you have in asymmetric warfare is this, is this strategy called, called anti-access or area denial. Okay, in the Army, we have an acronym for that. It's called A2D2, not ACDC, -A but A2D2. Okay, and that's what it's called. And in the history of warfare, since the beginning of time, we have uh, seen the outcomes of major battles, and even wars will hinge, will hinge on, on one side's ability to separate their opponents uh, uh, from their enablers. So what I mean by that, if you could take, uh, you could take your enemy's strengths away from him and just fight him one-on-one, -on -one, you're going to have a pretty good chance to win in a battle or even a war. You saw that with Napoleon going into Russia. Hitler had the same problem. Their, their logistics just flat ran out. They couldn't get them fuel. So what happened to the Nazi army? They lost. What happened to Napoleon's army? They lost. Okay? And we see this today. We see what happens today if China and Russia can separate the U.S. military from, from our enablers, okay? So, like, if you look at multi-domain warfare, we fight in the land, the air, the sea, uh, the cyber domain. We fight in the space domain, okay? And, and if you can separate the U.S. Army, if China and Russia can separate us from our enablers, what happens a lot of times, they, they have a chance to win. Why? Well, I mean, if we don't have access to our satellites uh, in the space domain, Okay, that's in the space domain. That's where the satellites reside. Guess what? We don't know where we're at because we don't have GPS, right? 
Okay, so now we can't, we can't travel because Lord knows how can anybody navigate without GPS anymore. What do we do? You know what I mean? What did soldiers do? What did you do going to Walmart? You couldn't get to Walmart without your GPS now. You see what I'm saying? Now think about it. All right, but if, we could, if, if our enemies can separate us from our GPSs now, I can't drop bombs, I can't shoot artillery, I can't do any of the stuff that I like to do. Because what, what the enemies want to do is they want to fight the United States one-on-one with just our guts and our guns. That's it. Okay? But here's what I'm going to ask you guys. Does Satan not do the same thing? You see, you're probably wondering what this has to do with the gospel. I'll tell you, it has everything. Satan and his demons, they'll try everything in this book to separate Christians, not from our enablers, plural, but from our enabler. And that is our Heavenly Father. Can I get an amen? That beautiful enabler. You know what that is? It's his love for us. It's plural. One of the ways he does this is Satan is going to convince you, he's going to convince me that God does not love you. God does not love you. And when we as a believer, and I'm not referring to the lost here. I'm referring to to us believers here. Because here's the thing. If God can convince us, or I'm sorry, the devil convinces that God doesn't love us, guess what happens? Guess what happens to us? We're not in his word, okay? We're not, we're not with him in prayer. We're not in his house, okay? So what, ha- what happens is, then we don't ha- therefore, we don't have access to his power, a.k.a. the Holy Spirit, you see, last week we saw in Romans 31 and 30 through 34, God cannot fail us ever. Now, we fail him a lot of times. And you remember that beautiful verse in eight, Romans 8, 30, 8, 31? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for us, who can be against us? Remember that beautiful verse that we covered last week? What I want you to understand. But we can fail him. What if we have a great temptation in life? What if we have a great trial in our life that's going on right now? And what now, Lieutenant? What, what are we going to do now? Here's what Paul's saying. Paul is dealing with this in the next few verses. We're only going to get to two verses. Praise God today, hopefully, if I can get through those. But, but it's just going to be two verses today. But Paul is telling us, Paul's telling us, he's reminding us, and he's reminding all the disciples in Rome, nothing can separate you from God's love. Can I get an Amen. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we love you and we praise you. And I just pray, Lord, that you can remove all distractions right now. I pray, Lord, that, 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 that you're, not getting a, you're not getting a word from Scott today. No. We're getting a word from God. This is, your, this is your message, Father. It's not Scott's. This is your beautiful, beautiful word. And I just, I just, I, I just ask you, Father, and I just pray Let the Bible come alive. Let this beautiful chapter come alive. Let it come off the pages today. Let the Holy Spirit reside in this room. Let temptations fall off. Let brokenness fall off. Let's just just put it on the table, Father, today. Come into our house, Lord. Come into India Home of First Baptist Church today and just let the Holy Spirit prevail. We love you and we thank you and we praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to start in uh, verse 35 today. And I'll read God's Word. Mike's already gone on the screen. Let me just, hey, let me just, hey, guys, I want us to clap for Mike Massey right now. Can we give it, can you for Mike Massey? He had to come out of retirement today. 
come out of retirement today and uh, and step in because Kate of uh, and you know all the Castleberry family is at. But I really appreciate you, Mike. I called him late on Friday, and uh, he came up here and ready to go. And it's like, who moved all my stuff? <laughs> you know what I mean? But you're doing a great job, Mike, and I really appreciate you. But if we look in Romans 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 35, and I read God's word, who shall separate us? Everybody say separate with me. Okay, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? And Paul's asking a question. He's asking it kind of sarcastically. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? I want you to think about something. Separation is a very, very horrible thing if you think about it. Yeah. You can be separated from your wife, your children, your friends, your family. But separation from God is the most horrible, horrible thing that you could ever imagine. It is. Even in the Garden of Eden, that was really the first separation that Adam and Eve had uh, for their disobedience because a lot of times when we're separated from God, it's because of sin. Is it not? Ask yourself that question. Most of the time, sin separates us from God. Okay? Adam and Eve's disobedience uh, for all of humanity caused them to be separated from God. And that's why they were so scared. They, were so, they felt this, this, this horrible part of it, this horrible separation they had. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, Lord, 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 why do you forsake me? Why do you forsake me? And that transitional moment when Jesus was dying in his earthly body there on the cross, just for that transitional moment, he felt that as a human being, the human part of Jesus felt that separation from God. And it's a horrible, horrible thing. It's a horrible thing. And that's why he said, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Jesus felt that separation. You guys remember when David slept with Bathsheba, then had her husband killed. That sin just caused David uh, this separation. And then you recall the prophet Nathaniel. He boldly came in there and said, King David, your affair, your affair with Bathsheba is wrong. And then David felt this horrible separation. He felt this horrible separation because of the sin. He felt the separation from God. He felt it. That's why repentance is in order. That's why, that's why we have to take the Lord's Supper with, a, with an open heart to say, Lord, I'm sorry I sinned this week. I, 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 I've got this sin on my mind, Lord, and then you just please forgive me. I'm coming to you in repentance. This means that each person born in this world <coughs> is going to be separated from God. Each person that's born in this world <coughs> is separated. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> now, and they are doomed to hell. Think about it. God in his love for us provided a way of restoration. He did. <clears throat> he did. Once we receive his grace and we accept him, okay, he has, he has, we, we don't have to be separated from this beautiful love. You see, God created this civilization with a yearning to worship and have a relationship with him. But if we're all truly honest here, if we're all truly honest here, for people from every, every area of the world have this inborn desire to worship God. They do. Even in our earthly bodies in Satan's world, God's presence, even in the lost, God's presence is profound. It's profound. 
even the lost, this whole concept of love. Even the lost love. They all love. Even, even the majestic beauty of the earth. If the lost people can see majestic beauty of the earth, that's God's love. That's God's love. The food that we eat, the water that we drink, the beautiful air that we breathe here. I mean, I, I walked outside this morning and yesterday in these fall mornings. Aren't they beautiful? Aren't they beautiful? You just smell the fresh air. You walk out there and you see the dew on the ground. You just thank God. But guess what? A lost person can come out there and smell the same fresh air, and they get that blessing of God. That's God's love for humanity, given this all creation, his presence. But Paul asks a question, who can separate us? He asks a question there, who separates us from the love of Christ? Who is it? And he kind of does this with a hint of sarcasm. Who is it? Is it evil men? Is it people in the government? Is it the drug cartels? Is it China? Is it Russia? Is it, uh, is it, uh, is it, uh, who is it? Is it Iran? Is it Mohammed? Is it Satan? The answer is no one. No one can separate a Christian from God's love. Period. Think about that. Not even Satan. But sometimes we feel like we're separated from God. And that always, usually, most of the time, even Christians, when we feel like we're separated from God, most of the time, it's a sin that's in our lives. It's a sin that's in our lives. It is. God never shelters us from the difficulties of life. And part of the reason uh, is God assures us that the difficulties of life, he is working for us and not against us. And how many times have you guys seen this, that Paul's pointing this out in this series here in Romans 8? How many times have you seen this? Do you guys know that America is only 4% of the population of the entire world? But we think all the universe centers around us, right? But we're only 4% of the whole world. I can promise you, and I'm going to talk about this some more here in a second, I can promise you that many parts of the world today, many parts of the world today, there are a lot of Christians that believe that they're in the tribulation right now. If you think about it, that's how they feel in Nigeria. That's how they feel in China. That's how they feel in North Korea. That's how they feel in Iran. That's how they feel in Afghanistan today when we've got thousands of Christians and America's trapped there and we're not doing anything about it. Our government's not doing anything about it. We're getting Christians slaughtered. They're getting beheaded. Right now in Afghanistan, they feel like they're in the tribulation. They feel like this is the tribulation time. This is the tribulation time. Christians being beheaded, and I promise you their context of Christianity right now is a whole lot different than ours here in, in, in Indiahoma, Oklahoma. They have a whole different view of Christianity. Tribulation. We look at this word, tribulation. Shall tribulation, Paul asked, shall tribulation separate you from the love of God? You know, tribulation is defined when God will unleash his wrath on those who do not believe. That's what it's defined as. Tribulation is defined when God will unleash his wrath on those who have rejected him. Those who love evil, those who love the lies of the devil. God will say, no more, no more, no more. He will flat say, no more. I'm done. That's what he's going to do. We've seen this before. He did this in Noah's time. He did this in Sodom and Gomorrah. And we always say, well, that day will come in seven years of tribulation. 
A lot of theories on this. There's a post-tribulation, there's a pre-tribulation, the mid-tribulation, then there's a rapture, and then there's a rapture. But in reality, if you think about it, none of it, none of those theories matter. None of those theories matter. You might say, well, Brother Scott, there are some good humans out there. Yeah. But honestly, there's not. There's not a good human on this planet. There's not. I mean, I'm just being honest here. I'm just being honest. We are all condemned. Remember this. We are all condemned. Every single one of us. We don't deserve to go to heaven. Scott Patton does not deserve to go to heaven. But through the righteousness of Jesus Christ, I get to go to heaven. Can I get an amen? See, this is, why, this is how we've got to change the way we think here, folks. We're all condemned. And Paul's saying this. It's not just a certain group of people, but it's all of us. Everyone's condemned. Everyone. Nobody apart from the Holy Spirit of God is good enough to go anywhere in heaven. You're not good enough. But I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you some good news. If you're in Christ, you will survive the tribulation. Can I get an amen? <laughs> tribulation. I don't care. Bring it on. Bring it on. I'm, I, I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I'm not, I'm not scared of it. I'm not scared of it. This is why none of these aforementioned theories matter. If you're in Christ, you will survive the tribulation, every single bit of it, because the Holy Spirit resides in you. Let's look at this next word. Distress. You see this? Man, I'll tell you. We as Christians, we're not impervious to, uh, to the tensions or the difficulties in life. The stresses in life that everybody in this church is going through right now. And you have no idea. Maybe your neighbor sitting next to you or behind you. Somebody, everybody in this room has a stressful thing that's going on in their life. It could be a medical condition. It could be something that's going on with your children. It could be something that's going on with a coworker at work. It could be a, a particular sin that you're struggling with. Every single body. And you know what? You know what? You probably get depressed sometimes and feel really, really bad like, man, I'm just terrible. I'm just horrible. I'm just terrible. I, and I hope you guys know this. And then we get, what happens is we get threatened and we feel threatened and we get anxious. I hope you guys understand this. I go to great lengths, and I really hope you see it, to show my mere humanity in my messages. Because I'm going to tell you guys, Scott Patton, there are days that I just get down. I get depressed. And I just think, why, is this, why, why am I doing this? Some days I just, I'm like, I'm not good enough, God. I'm not. I'm not. And we all have something, whether it's in our family, it's in our life. I want you guys to understand you're not alone. Everyone in you in this room are struggling with something right now. I know just like the Castleberry family, let's just take them for a second. I mean, we, 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 we pray for Jeff Castleberry for the last uh, two, two and a half months and just praying and praying and praying. And then he goes, we say, why, God? Why? Why? And then you're dealing with that distress. It may be at work. I know we've got some people that, that go to our church right now. They go to our church right now. That are struggling that, that their work is going to fire them if they don't take the vaccine. Okay? That's stressful, folks. That's stressful. That's stressful. 
Okay, we've got different things. We've got different, everybody's got, it may be a medical, it may be, it may be you might have cancer. There's something and you're going to get down. It may be you're not the place that you thought you were going to be in your life. Maybe that spouse didn't work out. Maybe something in your child's life is not working out. And you're like, oh God, why? Like many of you in this church, I believe that God is sovereign and he's in control of our lives, but sometimes even your pastor just forgets it. I just do. You know why? Because I'm human, just like you are. And I've got to preach to myself. There's nothing that can separate us from God's love, nothing. Because here's the thing. Stress is going to dominate your life, and then what happens? We start losing our trust. We start losing our faith. Then we, then we start questioning God's love for us. And that's exactly what Satan wants you to do. Most of the time in my life and probably years, when you're at your highest level of stress, you're separated from God by your choice. You just are. Why? Because we have compartmentalized our faith. Tammy and I were coming back. I came back from, I went to the cash football game. David and I did on Friday and and uh, got back, and, and Tammy and I were just started talking about prayer, and we said, well, why? you know, we pray every day, but why don't we just pray more? Think about it. Why? Sometimes we just don't. And it's not just me, and I pray all the time, but sometimes I just, why don't we pray more? Why, why don't we pray more together as a couple? We do, but sometimes we just, ah, we, just, we got too much going on. You know, i got to stay up and watch the, you know, the OSU game last night. You know, to make sure they win. You know, I mean, you see what happens? You see what happens? Now, I got to get on Facebook, man. I got to post some stuff, some stuff to bother me. So I'm going to stay out of his word. See, we've compartmentalized our faith. And I don't want you guys to feel guilty that it's just you because it's not, because it's the preacher sometimes. This is where, this is where this, then we start compartmentalizing our faith, and Satan's going to start coming to you, Scott, Scott, you can't handle the storm. You can't handle the storm. You can't handle the storm. And then we got to get in his word. And then we're going to remind Satan of what his fate is. Amen. Remind Satan what his fate is. The Holy Spirit of God is just going to tell Satan, I am the storm. Just leave me alone. Leave my child alone. Who can separate? I'm going to go back to, 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 to Paul's first question. Who can separate us? Who can separate us? Who can separate us? I'm going to go back. Now, is it persecution? Did you know that I told you America is only 4% of the world? By 2030, China will be the largest Christian country in the world. Folks, that's nine years from now. China will be the largest Christian country in the world. You know who has the most Christian persecution in the entire world? China. Think about that. Think about that. You know who the second fastest growing Christian nation is right now? This is going to blow your mind, folks. Iran. Think about that. Think about that. These, these, these places were persecution, the, the context of being a Christian. Sometimes we think it's really bad here in Indiahoma. Oh, that government, man, I'll tell you. you know, we think it's bad here in Indiahoma. We don't have nothing. We have seen nothing compared to other places in the world. Enormous persecutions. One of the big themes, some of the liberal pastors in our Southern Baptist Convention last year. That kept saying, well, God didn't tell us to save America. No. 
<coughs> go. No, no, America, <coughs> I agree, is not mentioned in the Bible. Okay? But I'm going to tell you something, folks. <coughs> but our country was founded on a biblical worldview. Can I get an amen? That's how our country was founded. That, that's exactly it. We are one nation under God. And that's why we've been blessed for so long. And this pastor is going to defend America. Can I get an amen? Because in, in a thriving, God-fearing, biblical worldview of America, more people come to the kingdom. Can I get an amen? We have brought more people to the kingdom in America. In America. Think of the missionaries and the things that we've done to fight brokenness. Yes, we've made a lot of mistakes. But we can do this in America. It may not look like it. It's important to understand we are a Christian nation. Satan would love to see the Marxists and the socialists take over America. Why is that? Because it won't expand God's kingdom. That's why it is. In Afghanistan, this very minute, I told you those, there, are, there are Christians that, are, that, that believe they're in the tribulation. There are Christians in North Korea right now that believe they're in the tribulation. I don't want the Christians to believe they're in the tribulation in America. Can I get an amen? I don't want that for my children. I don't want that for my grandchildren. I don't want that for the children of our church. I want America to thrive and be one nation under God. Now, let's look at this. Famine or nakedness. Famine or nakedness. When you guys look at this, it takes you back to two words here. I believe Paul's taking us back to the Garden of Eden, to Adam and Eve and the original sin. Think about this. Eden, the garden, was this endless beauty, endless food. They were never hungry. They were never separated from God, ever, ever. I'm going to read you Genesis 3, 10, 7. And I don't know, did I, bring that, did I bring that mic? Did we have that up there? Yeah, I think I did. Yep, there it is. I'm going to read this to you. Then the eyes of both of them, this is after the original sin, then the eyes were open, they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves covering. And they heard the sound of the Lord, God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. Then the Lord called upon Adam, he said, where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Think about that. Think about that. By the way, when you think of Adam and Eve, a lot of times, I think we have this misconception of time. I think we, we think, well, God created Adam, and he took his rib out, and he made Eve, and the next day, they were really cool, and the next day, uh, you know, uh, Eve went over there and ate the apple, and then they sinned. No. It, I, we screw up time so bad in the Bible. I think Adam and Eve were perhaps in the garden for hundreds or even a thousand years before they ever sent. I think it was this beautiful, beautiful place. Because we just read it because it's in the next sentence. We just assume that it was yesterday. It's tomorrow, right? You know what I mean? We just assume it's tomorrow, but it's not. Or it's in a context of I think Adam and Eve probably lived in the garden for hundreds of years before they sent. Just, this is just a side note. We going back to verse 35. Peril, so peril means you're in imminent danger. Intimate danger. Intimate danger. Threat con delta. He knows what's fixing to happen here. He knows what's going to happen here. Eventually, Rome would kill Paul with the sword. They would kill Barnabas. They would kill Joseph. Joseph. They would extend this emperor to the Dominican, 
who would who would basically the 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 emperor Dominican who would basically boil the apostle John in chicken grease, and then the apostle John would go up and he would write the book of Revelation. Paul would foresee the slaughter. I'm going to go to the last verse here, and we're going to close. Go to Romans 8.36, uh, please, Mike. Romans 8.36, as it's written, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. You know what Paul's doing here? He's taking us back to, the, uh, to Psalms 44 and 22, and he's saying, he's saying, reminding us of what the Romans and what we're going to see here today, and you're seeing this in China, you're seeing this in Afghanistan, you're seeing this uh, hopefully uh, you know, not in America Okay, but then Old Testament saints are frequently put to death and they're exposed to persecution. But what Paul is saying, you may feel like you're sheep to slaughter, but nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. And in closing, Jesus told us to deny ourselves and take up our cross. Taking up the cross has always been costly. And yeah, I'm going to tell you something, folks. It's going to crash with the world sometimes. Many Christians in America are trying to decide where to stand. They are. They're trying to decide where I stand. That tension between the world and that tension between God. You know what the prophet Elijah said? He has a word for us. In 1 Kings 18, 22, 1821, Elijah came to all the people, and he said this. I thought it was fascinating. How long will you falter between two opinions? How long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if it's Baal, follow him. Now, I'm going to ask you one question. Who do you think loves you, Baal or God? I mean, that... Choice is pretty obvious. Choice is pretty obvious. Paul's reminding us nothing can separate us from the love of God. With every head bowed and all eyes closed. Father, we just thank you. We just praise you. Father, help, help us understand that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Zero. Father, we just, there's somebody here that's watching on the outskirts station, watching online. I just pray, Lord, that you might, you might touch them, bring them to the kingdom through you. Father, we've got so many people we're praying for, and I just thank you for everybody in this church that came in here to worship you today, Lord. I just thank you, Father. I just pray, Lord, that there's somebody here right now that needs to make the decision, just needs a prayer. Please bring them to the altar. I love to pray with them. Father, we just love you. We praise you. We ask these things in Jesus' holy, precious name. We pray. Amen. Please stand.